Radio Aspiral is a series of podcasts brought to you across the internet by TIPM Media. Presented by investigative journalist Mick Rooney, it covers a host of topics from international media, publishing, aviation, and technology. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. You're very welcome to uh, episode 9 of Radio Aspiral. Let's take it away. great guest lined up for you uh, tonight we're going to be talking about publishing self-publishing printing and technology uh, I'll talk about my guest in just a second uh, very glad to have you all along www.radioaspile.com is where you can find us away we go episode we're going to be talking to uh, Jeremy Thompson of uh, Troubadour Publishing and the Matador self-publishing imprint. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the company and our guest tonight in just one second. Okay, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, wherever you're joining us from, uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, wherever, if you've found us on the uh, website, uh, the independent publishing magazine, uh, my own aviation website, wherever you found us from, uh, we're very glad to have you along for this uh, episode 9 of uh, Radio Aspile. Uh, just very quickly, Radio Aspile is a global internet broadcast. Uh, with audio and visual you can see it up there uh, if you're looking at the the video cast our focus is on media and how it deals with news our core areas uh, will always be publishing aviation technology and we do consider uh, other things uh, related in that area uh, if it's a significant aspect of uh, media coverage now First of all, um, as I said, uh, Jeremy Thompson will be joining us very shortly as a guest. Uh, I want to talk to you about he's managing director of uh, Troubadour and uh, Ma the Matador self-publishing imprint. 
uh, just very quickly on um, the company he runs. Uh, Troubadour has been publishing books since the late 1980s. The company was founded first as University Text. Uh, it changed its name to Troubadour Publishing Limited in 1986. It's by the way, it's it's based in the UK. Uh, it's um, the, the, the Troubadour started really as an Italian studies uh, uh, academic publisher um, and it has become established as the UK's uh, leading uh, book list in that area when it first started out. Uh, during the 1990s the company concentrated on trade publishing for major international scientific technology and medical uh, publishers such as Cambridge University um, Press, uh, Elsevier, Wide, uh, Wiley and uh, many others. By the late 1990s Troubadour launched its Matador self-publishing imprint along with an academic uh, journal program uh, the T2 non-fiction imprint which was an emerging sort of uh, communications, ethics and social justice book imprint. Troubadour eventually sold its academic journals to Emerald in 2008 and continued to expand and build on its own book publishing programs. The Matador self-publishing imprint has established itself as one of the, le the UK's leading uh, self-publishing services uh, providers. Troubadour launched uh, also a quarterly self-publishing magazine in 2006 uh, both in print and online and it also started the annual self-publishing uh, conferences in 2012 when we talk to Jeremy we'll get a lot more into some of that background in 2015 Troubadour started the uh, website Indigo Services uh, for independent authors and around about the mid I think 2015 purchased the Book Guild Limited which it runs as a, a separate uh, enterprise. Uh, the company aims to provide authors uh, with a range of publishing options uh, always with the emphasis on quality of production, marketing, distribution and uh, customer services. Now our guest is uh, the managing director Jeremy Thompson. Uh, Jeremy is uh, uh, is is MD of uh, Troubadour Publishing and has over 30 years' experience in the publishing industry, having worked with uh, Elsevier, uh, Wiley, Cambridge University Press, and many other companies. Uh, Jeremy is a regular speaker on all aspects of author services and self-publishing. Uh, at uh, various events uh, throughout the UK and the world uh, as diverse as the Westminster uh, Media Forum, the London Book Fair which is currently going on at the moment this week and the uh, their own self-publishing conference which which is uh, based I think in the Leicester University uh, and yeah you know there's evening even a, an aviation tint here because uh, Jeremy also flies a, a light airplane uh, when the uh, weather allows him to but we'll leave that bit to the end and concentrate on the uh, publishing and self-publishing and media stuff okay so without uh, further ado let's go and talk to Jeremy okay we're joined by uh, Jeremy Thompson uh, here on Radio Spoil, uh, Jeremy, obviously the managing director of uh, Troubadour and Matador. Um, Jeremy, you're very welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Not, not at all, not at all. I've, I've wanted to have you on as a, a guest um, for some time. We, you know, we've we've talked to a, a lot of people uh, in the industry, from authors to to people like yourself, uh, and mm -hmm. it's it's always fascinating uh, when we have a guest on. Um, so. Without further ado, what I'd like to do, Jeremy, for all the people who are both maybe uh, listening and uh, watching this, um, just to sort of give us a, a brief introduction into your early life, your when you where you grew up, you know, just in general, give us a give us a, a sense of Jeremy. The long the long distant past, you mean? The lo yes, um, that that long distant yes. past. I was well. If you want to go back to the beginning, I was born in Leeds. 
Um, so I'm a Yorkshireman by heart, I guess, although I've not really ever lived there. Um, my parents moved to Cambridge, um, then they moved to Singapore, so I spent a year in Singapore. Um, then we moved back to Cambridge, and really my sort of formative formative years as a, as a, a secondary school uh, student and in uh, sixth form were really spent uh, uh, in Cambridge, which was, I have to say, a really nice place to a grow up. Place, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Um, I mean, I, I go back as whenever I can. You know, I've lost touch with most people, but it's just a lovely place to to, to visit. Actually, um, outside tourist season because it's it's horrendous in the summer. As we all grow up, we get to a certain stage uh, when we think we know what we'd like to do in life. So I suppose in those teenage years, when you approach college, had you any idea of what the uh, the field that you wanted to get into, where your interests lay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I I was always keen on um, I was always keen on the theatre. I was always keen on reading. Um, I think you're right. Some, sometimes you get a sense from school, sixth form, etc., mm. um, of the sort of things you, you you like doing, the sort of things you like to, to study. And I liked I liked both of those. So I then effectively went on and studied. Um, I went to University of London and I studied a combined English drama degree. So I was really keeping a foot. I foot in both camps, as it were, because I wanted to keep my, my options open. This was in the 1980s, early 1980s, and um, at the time, the theatre was, was sort of quite down. Um, musicals were just about to start getting going, and, and, and it was difficult to make a living in, in theatre. Um, and I was really sort of looking at theatre theater production rather than being on the stage, although I've done some of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I... I, 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 I I love theatre, and I would. I, I, if things have been different, I may have gone into theatre. I mean, I still mm. do. I still am involved every now and again, um, sort of on an amateur basis. But it was one of those things that I, um, I always wanted to do. And in a way, I've been I suppose, because, as chance had it, my first job happened to be as a journalist. So I, I, I sort of went into the 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 the, the, the literature side, um, the English literature side. By, um, by by accident almost um, but I've been able to keep my foot in the sort of theatrical side as a, uh, as, a as an amateur um, you know literally for the last 30 years which which has been great great because I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I like doing and um, I suppose the move then into publishing um, obviously initially this, this will be prior to uh, when you set up uh, Troubadour um, I know you, yeah. you work for a, a number of different I think Wiley, Elsevier uh, a couple of other yeah. uh, book publishing companies yeah I mean I, I started off in as I said as a journalist and then I moved into sort of magazine editing um, and, and journal publishing um, and also books associated and it, it was a it, I found it a really interesting area, um, and and in a way, sort of life takes over, doesn't it? You you, mm. you get you get a job, and of course, you then sort of get married, and 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 you know the world the world moves on, and suddenly you realise that you're this is your career, um, and it may not have actually been what you set out to do, but this this is something you're doing. Luckily, I enjoyed doing what I was doing, and I was working for various companies. I I, I swapped jobs a few times and worked for various different companies, um, but there came a point when. I guess for me, I always felt I always felt that I didn't really want to work in a in a big commercial publisher, and I didn't want to be a, a part of a of a very small cog in a very large organisation, as it were. And, and I think, like a lot of people, I'd always wanted to work for myself. I'd always want to think, you know, well, if the opportunity arose, that would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, never believing it would happen. And then, of course, the opportunity arose. So, much to sort of my family's uh, what's the word? Um, Dismay. May I think I decided that I would. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I, I decided I would go it alone. I decided I would set up on my own, and of course, it was it was going from a stable job, and I was I I, I could have I could have relocated with the company that was with that was moving. I was in a stable job, and I was earning good money. But actually, I thought, well, if I, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So let's do it. Let's take the plunge, and we'll see. So so I did. I set up on my own. Excellent. Um. So th th tell us a little bit then. Um. Obviously. Uh, Prior to us starting the interview, I, I gave it a little preamble uh, uh, about you know yourself and and Troubadour. Mm. But just in in your words, yeah. then you know, talk to me about that because that, that, that's a you know I, I talked to Paul Cohn, who uh, from from uh, Epigraph and Monkfish, who followed a similar path as yourself. You know, spent a long long time mm. in in marketing in the book world, and then made that step to go. You know, 
I'm going to go out on my own and do it. Yeah. That, that's a really big step. And it's, as we all know, it's whether you're an author, whether you're the publisher uh, themselves, it's a very competitive world uh, to get into. So just talk to us a little bit about the, the yeah. early the early uh, stages of, of, of Troubadour. Initially, I think it, it was more sort of an academic publisher, wasn't it, for Italian studies? And Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when I left, I was working, when, when, when I sort of struck out on my own, I was working for um, Buswell Heinemann, which was a, um, an academic publisher. Um, and they were relocating to, to Oxford, and I didn't, I didn't want to go to Oxford. So I, I, I started on my own, but I was quite lucky in that they were looking for people to take some of the work um, that, that was done in-house. They were looking for it to be done out-of-house. So when I left, I took some work with me, which really formed the basis of what I was going to do. Um, and I think, I, you know, I, I, I started like a lot of people. I was doing freelance. I was editing a series of journals. Um, I was producing those same journals. Um, I was working for book publishers. I was, you know, I, I, I did what I could to work for as many different publishers as I possibly could to get a, a good sort of spread of experience. Um, and, but, it, you know, and, and it, was, it was great as far as it went. Um, there came a point when I was, I think I was tired of working for myself and working on my own and i felt that i wanted to do something a bit more creative and at that time i really i was working for other people I was doing a task and then sending it back and that was the end of it and i felt i wanted to do something that was, that was much more for me um using the skills i had so i i at that point i sort of started to look at publishing my own books or publishing books for people um and i started off with an italian studies series of of, um, of academic books which is still going to this day actually um well it's a very small part of what we do but it's 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 you know it's a very well-known um, italian studies series and that really was the was the beginning of of it of of it actually becoming a publishing company in its own, in its own right um we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Troubadour and, and, and essentially then the, the forming of, of, of Matador, the, the self-publishing uh, imprint, and, and later some of the other developments. <coughs> Just before mm-hmm. that, in, in a wider discussion, I suppose, um, about the publishing industry now today and the place of self-publishing within the overall industry. Just your thoughts on, uh, you know, we've seen so many changes. Where are we now and how's it sort of developed and how do you see mm-hmm. it now? Yeah, that's a big that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's come an awful way, it really has. Um, you know, when I when I first started in in this in the self publishing field, which was which was which was in the last millennium, I have to say, um, it was just a totally different landscape, and we were just at the beginning of of of, of, of the, the enormous expansion that it's seen over the years. And I think I think there are good things about that expansion, and there are bad things about that expansion. I mean, on the on the on the positive side, it's just enabled many many more authors to publish. It's enabled um, many many more authors to 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 become authors and to get their work out there. It's also meant that publishing in general has had to adapt and has had to really accept that. The, the old the old school sort of gatekeeper model isn't necessarily the only model um, of publishing that exists and that there are other ways to publish. On the downside, it's meant the enormous, absolutely enormous proliferation of, of books and e-books and, you know, now audio books. And uh, there's so much, there are so many things to read out there that it's just become so difficult to get noticed and it's it's even harder to, to you know to find something um, to find, to find something of one, quality well to, to find something of quality that that's that's always going to be the problem and I, I mean i sort of feel that quality is always is always actually going to come to the come to the fore mm. at some stage or another but just even finding something that's not of quality is 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 difficult um and that's impacted upon commercial publishers as well as self-publishers, and it's it's, it's one of the big challenges that we face moving forward. Uh, you know, and, and and there are other challenges moving forward as well. I think which are maybe not quite so significant, but they are they are they, they face they face all anybody who's considering publishing their own work. It, you know, their challenges that they're going to face, and and they're along similar lines of of discoverability and quality, and in particular, is always one something I always go on about is quality of of what you produce. Um, I, I, I was judging the um, the Barbara Hammond self-published book trophy just last month up in Scotland, and um, 
I was quite dismayed, really, at the quality of what was what had been published, what, what had been self-published, and, and and surprised because in this day and age, it, it, it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have exactly. to be like there's, there's, there's it. little excuse you know, for it now, yeah. There isn't no, and it, and it's I don't know. It, it's it's that sort of disconnect, I think, between what 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 people are as writers and what they as writing, um, which is very valid and very legitimate. But then there's a there's an enormous leap between writing and getting the writing right and publishing. And I still think that far too many authors don't understand that publishing is actually different to writing. Publishing is, is a commercial activity mm-hmm. um, generally. Um, and in order to compete on, on, on what we've, everybody agrees is, is a very, very difficult um, commercial landscape, in order to, com- to compete there, you, you're competing with, with the big boys. You know, you're not just competing with, with other self-publishers. So I, 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 was, I was surprised that there is still so much um, lack of understanding that, that you know, that that's, that's, that is the case. Mm. Um, you know. I, I think the other element, which is, which is kind of there more and more now than it necessarily was back in, say, the 1990s or, you know, the, the, even the early part of uh, 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 the millennium, uh, is, is that it's... It's the ease and the immediacy and the speed to publish now, which some authors yeah. see, and that sometimes yeah. can actually be the downfall. You yeah. know, the the, yeah. the, the, the rush, uh, not getting things right. Uh, uh, you know, we always say that. Yes, the, the the cream and the quality will always come to the top, but it's it's. You know, even from my experiences as a publish, publishing consultant, there is nothing more disheartening to read uh, uh, an author's work, uh, and specifically a self-publisher published author's work, to read the work and go, you know, that that is actually a fabulous book, mm. but yeah. there are a number of elements that are wrong with the the packaging the the book itself yeah. not the content and it, you go it's you, such you, a shame right. you know yeah yeah no it's you're absolutely right i mean it's again i was doing a session on on this this conference in um glasgow a couple of weeks back and um uh, I, I always, I'm, I'm always saying, get you know, yes, get your writing right. The writing and the content is the bedrock of any decent book, but you've got to look at the at the presentation, and it's and it's not just presentation of It's not just having a good front cover, obviously that helps, mm. but it's having a good back cover. It's having, it's making sure that your book's printed on the right paper. It's making sure that your book's been typeset properly and it's not full of errors. It's also there's also things more fundamental fundamental things like who's your audience, because if you walk into a Waterstones, you know they don't want they don't want a book that's that's that there's in it something in it for everybody. They want a book that's a thriller, or they want a romance, or they, you know they want something that's easier to sell. Yeah. And as as the author, you've also got a responsibility to your audience to to target that audience and to write for your audience. I, w- I mean, I would I would never suggest anybody should should write something that they don't want to write, but you know you you can still have a, an eye on your target audience whilst writing. Um, because it's going to make your your job of publishing and selling much easier down the road, and and if, if that's what you want as an author, which you know obviously a lot a lot do, but it's that disconnect as I said earlier between spending hours and hours and months and days, you know, years and years sometimes on getting the writing right and then producing it in a way which basically is is guaranteed to make it sink. Um, the, an author who says to me, "I'm not, I don't really care about about the cover." Um, the work will speak for itself. That's nonsense because you know nobody's going to read your work because because nobody's going to pick it up. Um, it's that sort of lack of understanding of, I guess, basic commerciality, but but also just how humans humans are um, with these things. People people judge a book by its cover and, and they won't pick something up. It has a terrible cover. And, it's and, and that's cover. the truth. You know, I, I know it's it's sometimes you know thrown thrown around. It, it, as an analogy but in the opposite meaning but actually no it does it does matter you know a, a cover on a book yeah, does, does matter you know the quality of a book does matter inside and out yeah jeremy absolutely. i suppose let's tie that now a little bit into going back to to troubadour um mm. you, you were going a number of years and then i think am i right towards the was it the mid 1990s, 95, 96? Uh, Matador, the self-publishing imprint, arrived. 
It was it was just slightly later than that. Okay. Um, I mean, ninety six Troubadour actually became a company, and, and, and for various reasons, we we had a different name before that, but we had to call it something else. So, in nineteen ninety six, it became it became a company. I guess I started thinking about offering some sort of self publishing, some sort of, uh, and at the time, I, I'll admit freely, it was a va- you know thinking of vanity publishing, some sort of vanity publishing service in about ninety seven ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really in response to the fact that that we we would become known locally as a as a local publisher, and authors were starting to just literally knock on the door and saying, "Look, can you publish my book?" Um, and of course, you know, they were they didn't produce most of those authors didn't have Italian studies books yeah. or academic they they had biographies or you know a book of poems or something. So, I, so that sort of got me thinking, and I did a bit of research. And the internet literally was just, you know, just um, in its in its relative infancy in in, in the late nineties. And and I started, you know, seeing this sort of vanity thing, and I didn't really like that. I'd, I'd known about it beforehand, but there was this word, this sort of phrase, self-publishing, which is coming from from the states, really. And I just began to think about actually, there's no reason why there's no reason why this couldn't be done. Uh, as long as it's done properly, as long as it's done well, and I think that that sort of thought formulated over a period of about two months, until the point where we sort of tested the water by taking on a book, which a local, you know, somebody who literally walked into the door, um, had asked us to publish and said, "Well, I'll pay you to publish it." And and so we we published the book, and it, I remember it was called the A to Z of Animal Facts, and it was all about um, it was it was sort of um a book on um, animal cruelty and you know anti-animal cruelty mm-hmm. and, and that's the first book we ever we ever we ever published having been paid to publish um, and it sold really well really really well i think she sold a thousand copies you know fairly fairly straight off so that was really the motivation for doing it because i felt that there was a market there and, and as a relatively small company i thought well yes we could we could offer something here it's within my skill set you know i know how to produce books i know how to market books and sell books um why not offer that to to people who's who are never going to get a, a, a publishing deal so that's really how it started you you, you made a, a, a an inference there that, that i picked up picked up on um, and you made a re- reference to you know this kind of new technology or new way of, mm. of publishing uh, that, that was coming from the united states uh, yeah. and i think that kind of arrived and really sort of hit in uh, in the uk uh, market in and around 99 uh, 2000 yep. and of course yep. what your the inference to it was um print on demand so just mm. for anybody who's maybe unsure just just give us a, yep. a broad scope of the, of that because it, it's now a part of the fundamental basis mm. of and, and why self-publishing if done properly can work well i mean there, there are lots of there are different ways of of, of actually publishing and, and and i think again if you'd asked if you'd asked if you'd asked most people five years ago, you know, what, what is self-publishing, they would automatically have thought print, self-publishing is print-on-demand, which is effectively uh-huh. where a book exists on a, on a computer server at, at, at a big printer's and somebody orders a copy on, a, on an online retailer like Amazon. The order goes to the printer, it's printed by the printer and it's sent to the customer and it takes about three days. So you don't actually have any, any books sitting on a shelf um, no waiting. warehousing costs. Warehouse, no warehousing costs. No, none of that comes into it. Um, your return is a lot less, your, but your costs are a lot less. So it's, it's a good way of, of, you know, sort of testing the water, getting a book out there. Um, and and a lot of authors do it, and many, many authors do it. If you'd asked people about what is self-publishing in the last few years, a lot would have said it's an e-book because that was the latest thing that, right. that came along, and, and maybe we'll touch upon that later. But interestingly enough, we don't, as, as Matador, we, our, our big market is not print-on-demand. Um, most of our authors actually want to go down the other road, which is they do print books in advance, so they'll print a, a relatively short print run, sort of three or 300 copies, 500 copies. Because what that enables you to do is what commercial publishers do, and that's actually get books onto bookshop shelves. And books bookshops sell a lot of books. And that, um, that's always been the, the key uh, to what matador offers it's it's, it's that sense been, of you know it's this is not just about having a book yeah it's about selling yeah. that book it's about getting it to physical books stores as well as just having it online for that's, the sake of it being that, online yeah 
that's exactly right. I mean, I think going back to what I was saying earlier about vanity publishing, vanity publishing is about having a book. Um, and, and vanity publishers exploited people because people wanted to have a book and, and, and they thought it was going to be easy to sell it. And of course it isn't. That's the hard part. Um, so you know, certain companies couldn't could 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 and did exploit people um, for huge huge amounts of money, um, absolutely obscene amounts of money in some cases. But what I didn't want to do, I mean, you know, I I, I went into publishing as a, as a career, and I didn't go into publishing to produce bad books badly. I went into publishing to to produce books that I can be proud of. And, and although it's not my book, although it's been written by an author. My company still produced it for that author, and I don't want rubbish to be out there on the on the bookshop shelves. And neither do the retailers, because because believe me, the retailers are very quick to tell us, you know, what what are you trying to sell us this pile of old yeah. whatever? For, you know, and, and that happened in the early days. It really did. And it, literally, I can remember a, a discussion at the at the book fair with at the London book fair with a one of the buyers from from the wholesalers gardeners, and he literally he berated me, you know, in in the aisle at the London book fair, and and that was a lesson a lesson learned that. Actually, if you if you've got to make if you're going to do if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do it well because otherwise people are not going to take notice. So, uh, you're right. Under underpinning everything we do is is not just producing a quality book, which you know other people can do, lots of other people can do, but it's actually selling it and distributing it and trying to do the best we can to get it out there so that people are reading it. Um, and that's really where where we where we differ, I think, from most other self-publishing companies. There are some out there who 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 do some on parts of what we do but um i'm not sure there's many in, in the uk at least that that actually do everything we do yeah no no, no i i totally agree i i think we've right back since um one of the uh self uh publishing conferences uh we were at, i i know we discussed this and mm. you know, well let's just touch upon it slightly uh from yep. your perspective uh obviously um, you've you've got Troubadour. You, you're building the Matador imprint. You, you're starting, you know, to establish yourself as a leading um, company and and mm. the various different ways you're working with authors. You're coming at it initially uh, in the initial setup from the UK market, and we've sort of touched on this in, in many conversations we've had, both mm. online and in person. Um, what for you? What's the difference between the US market? Obviously, apart from size, obviously, mm. and the UK market. Do you see subtle differences? I, I, I've tended from a very early to, to kick off uh, from a very early stage. I've always felt that, um, one, in Ireland and the UK, self-publishing from a very early stage, even the, in the 1960s and 1970s, was a little bit more accepted in those markets than it necessarily was in the US. Mm. So that was the first subtle difference. Mm. And also, not just about size, I think size, of course, yes, the, the UK market is, is a lot smaller, but I still feel that in the UK, it offers, if you like, higher quality providers who are a little mm. bit more savvy about you know the, the market in which they they work yeah. but you, again you, yeah. your own thoughts on on the US market and I, on the I, I think that's probably true i mean i think i think the difference one of the big differences in the uk is i just think that, no disrespect to our us cousins i just mm. think perhaps the uk is the uk has has always had a reputation as a center of publishing excellence one, one million people now have just switched off there <laughs> well, I, 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 I do apologize but you know it, it's true because it, you know i currently work for a, a company um or you know we work we we produce some 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 publications for a company that's based um, out in Australia, but they mm. you know they could publish themselves, but they want the, the books to be published with the UK you know in the UK because they see that it's having that sort of sort of cachet, and I think historically that's been that has been the case, and 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 maybe still is, you know if you look at the public publishers around the world, a lot of them the big names are still are still British, effectively, um, and I think that certainly from from a self-publishing point of view that certainly has a knock-on. I also think that a lot of because of the nature of the UK market, and because it isn't actually that big, you know, it's 65 million people living in the UK, it's not enormous, companies in this country, maybe they've had to try a little bit harder in order to convince their audience, which is a relatively limited audience, that what they're doing is actually legitimate and of good quality. Whereas with the market the size of the US, which is absolutely enormous, perhaps it's just so many customers, there's so many people you know, interested in self-publishing that they don't have to work quite so hard. Um, perhaps that's unfair, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that, that 
yes, there, there is a, there is a slight difference between between the UK market and and other markets, certainly. Yeah, no, no, it's it's it's. I've I've always uh, found it fascinating that you know. I mean, essentially, of course, it, it doesn't matter the size of the market; it's the same. But I, I again, I suppose that's reflective as well of. Um, always what you when you when you talk to authors about selling their book, you know, in a sense, publishing is no different. You have to understand your market, and each yeah. each market has its own subtle differences and if you don't understand that you're making it harder for yourself to I think that's true yeah yeah I mean certainly in the UK again um, I mean and it probably applies to the US as well but, but, but what we do as a, as a effectively as a commercial publisher is, is we do what any other commercial publisher does but we do it for our self-publishing authors so we do have that distribution set up we do have the the you know the, the, the distributors we do have a sales force we do we we do have um, relations relationships with with buyers and retailers those are the things that are really hard to get you know it's it's relatively straightforward to to produce a book but actually getting it into the market not just on you know on getting it out there on, onto Amazon, you know, so that people can buy a print under band copy, but actually physically getting it out there, getting buyers in retailers to say, yes, I will take some copies of this and, and, and take a punt. Those are the those are the things that are really hard to do. And it took us years. It took us, you know, five to ten years really to get any of those organizations to take us really at all seriously and and and, and yet we, and we're still building on that we're still having to reinforce that all the time that look look at what we're producing this is this is quality this is well produced this is well written um it's it's at the right price it has the right cover we you know we still have to go through that mantra sometimes with with new buyers in in in, in retailers but you know it's got better over the years uh, but I, I think for a lot of self-publishing companies and particularly those that do print on demand they don't have to do all that because really they produce the book and then the end the end for them is that it's on Amazon and it's really up to up to the world to go and buy it and up to the author to go out and market it. Oh, and, yeah. um, just you, you touched on that whole idea as well and, and reflecting back on, on Troubadour and Matador um, and, and that building process and the expansion uh, mm. that, that's happened. Just talk to us around a, a few of the, the sort of different things that you, you've done. Uh, we'll talk about the book guild shortly um, mm. but first of all i this is one thing and you know me i, I spend an awful lot of time having you know a look at companies but one mm. thing that i'd missed is um are you still doing the the indigo services is that website still going what, what was the idea yes, behind is. that yeah i mean the the indigo thing um i mean i'm always looking at uh, looking at the market and i'm always looking at you know what opportunities are there what else can we do i mean and, and one of the one of the one of our really sort of um, bedrocks of what we do is always is to try and get things for authors that that they that um, they can't get elsewhere, um, or to try and get things for authors that they can get elsewhere, but to try and provide them more cheaply because we can get discounts from suppliers and that sort of stuff. So it, mm -hmm. that's one of the things we always try to do. Indigo really came about as as a result of um of a look at the market and seeing that there was a, a, a distinct trend towards um, authors doing it themselves, but trying to do it themselves better. Um, and by that I mean um, the, the, the print-on-demand services, for example, things like Ingram Spark coming on, coming along, and Create Space expanding or becoming Create Space, people needed a, 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 a proper cover designing. People needed a proper copy edit, copy edit, or they needed a proper critique. They were going to do the production and the distribution and whatever of, of their book themselves, but they needed a supplier to to provide that bang on cover and they needed a supplier to provide a, a copy edit for example so we we created indigo really as, as a response to that so we, we still use our our design skills and our you know our copy editing skills etc etc um through indigo but an, any author can come to us if they're going to publish anywhere else if they want to publish on create space or they want to publish with i don't know um any service they like anywhere in the world if they come to us and they want they want a cover we'll do them a cover and that's the end of it and that was in response really to that sort of market segment which i saw was increasing um the other thing we'll, we'll talk shortly about uh, the book guild but just before that one of the other um programs if you like that you you've developed well a couple of them mm. um two of them i'll mention uh is the the self-publishing conference that that's that tells just a little bit the, the background around that that started in i think 2012 didn't it was the first started year. in 2012 yeah i mean it's an annual event that happens up in um at the university of leicester it's sort of in the middle of middle of the uk and um we get about 120 authors coming to it every year it it, it 
it grew out of um we've always done things like newsletters and um you know email newsletters that sort of thing and always we've always tried to inform authors about how things how how we think things should be done or how we think things are done in the commercial publishing world and how that impacts upon self-publishers we've always tried to inform authors whether or not they're going to publish with us or not um we always wanted to make lots of information available and we've done that through the website we've done that through other things we've done uh, at one point we had a print magazine which which we published and and you know and made available and the conference sort of grew out of that because we felt there was room in the uk for, for an event at which we could get speakers in from all sorts of different organizations um we could run practical workshops you know like how to write a press release or how to write good good back cover blurb that sort of stuff at which anybody can come along again but they're not most of them most of these delegates are not publishing with us they're 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 either looking at self-publishing or they're publishing with other people or they have published elsewhere and they're still publishing elsewhere but they just want information so we we sort of launched it really as a as a means of doing that um and it's become really quite successful and it's 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 sort of you know it's in its sixth sixth year now um uh, the number six is, is is back end of this month, so uh, we, you know we're looking forward to that. And it seems to have worked. I mean, we, we get good good feedback from delegates, and, and a lot of de- quite a few delegates have come back more than once. One of the other um, areas, or uh, pro- again, we'll refer to it as a program, I suppose, mm. that 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 you tried out. I, I, I know um, Hillcrest Media uh, did a little bit of, of this as well, and, and it, it's an excellent mm. thing uh, to, that that I think all good quality self-publishing services should consider because it gives a background to the company and that is I think what you initially called them um, I can't even remember the company you did this in line with but these were what what you call self-publishing experience days so prospective yeah. authors yeah. Or, or whatever would, would come so tell just a little bit about that what the idea behind that and the, how it worked yeah same sort of thing really i mean again it's just it's just about informing educating um meeting and discussing uh you know and in the early days when you know when we were offering self-publishing we used to get authors coming to the office actually just to make sure that we existed that yeah. we, we weren't someone in the back room and we some, were a proper company virtual and company yeah. Had a face. but yeah um and and actually i think that probably still happens today to an extent um, but but there was obviously a need for people to come along and learn about the process of self-publishing and how how it works, what to do, what not to do, pitfalls, you know, good practice, bad practice, etc. So we we started by offering what we call self-publishing experience days, where people come to the office and the staff here will we have a program through the day and the staff will talk about all the different various stages. We have a tour of the facility. You know, people can look in the warehouse and they can look at the offices and talk talk to the you know members of staff about what they do. Uh, and it's really fruitful and some some authors will publish with us and some authors have already published with us and some authors won't publish with us and it's, it's sort of not really about that it's um it's it's more just to just to use our our expertise and impart that knowledge to as many people as we possibly can um you know we 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 make a charge of 10 quid um 10 pounds per, per person and that really just covers the covers the food that we provide at lunchtime so it, it's it's not a profit making thing um one of the things we're going to be doing next year is probably expanding that program um but i'll come on to that later on because yeah, i'm sure you're yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. about what we're but going to do so okay so we you've described an awful lot of it about the, the setup um of, of troubadour and matador mm. um but and, and of course, the, the first big jump for you was leaving a company that you worked for, setting up your own company, building this out, and yeah. then all the expansion that goes with it. But part of that expansion, I think, was a big step for you then, because you decided that you weren't just going to like set up another imprint or you know to to, to mm. fit you know whatever a market or whatever. Talk to me about the, the thoughts in your mind when you sort of looked at this other company. Um, uh, the book guild yeah yeah okay well i mean again it it, it was a, it was a response to looking at how the market was developing for author assisted um publishing and and there was i I'd, I'd seen a trend for really quite high quality um higher end publishing where the publisher and the author were sharing the risk um effectively sort of Partnership publishing. Partnership publishing. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult area because there are some companies that call themselves partnership publishers who effectively just charge the author what a self-publishing company would, and and you know. 
that's not wholly honest, I don't think. But there is a genuine area where you see a, a book which you think this has got really good commercial legs. You know, I'd like to have a piece of that. And we couldn't do that under Matador. We couldn't really do it under Troubadour because that had different that had it has different um, imprints and it has the matter has a different way of working so really buying the book guild was a response to that because the book Guild was offering was partly offering some of this and it was partly offering a commercial mainstream uh, entirely publisher funded um, model which it it does still offer again if we see a book which we feel under for the book guild is 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 really commercial and we feel we're going to take a punt on it we'll take a risk on it then we'll fund the whole thing and we'll do it ourselves and and you know just give it a, a traditional publishing deal so that was really the thinking behind it is that i think the part of the market is going that way and um absolutely no reason why we shouldn't we shouldn't be involved um so we were uh, that that was part of the again more of the ex, uh, the expansion that uh, that happened was it is it two three years ago now uh, 2015 yeah, yeah so, yeah. so three years ago yeah but essentially yeah. the book guild is is still a separate company and operates in an independent yeah. manner yeah it's an entirely independent company it's a very it's a different company um you know legally and financially and uh, and everything and it's um it operates differently um we, you know the staff are based in the same building here but they are different staff um and it operates as a separate as a separate company and i have to say you know there were pros and cons of of doing it that way it would have been much easier just to make it an imprint as you say but i think for all sorts of reasons, it needs to have, it needs to be run as a, a different company. And, and the Book Guild, yeah. and be more distinct. And, and in fact, as a company, one of the reasons why we, we bought that, that particular company was because it did have a, a reasonably good reputation amongst um, the retail trade. Um, at the time, I don't think it had a particularly good reputation with some authors, but with the retailers, it had a really good, it had a really good name. So that was why we, you know, why we decided to buy the Book Guild. Moving, we've, we've talked so much about the past, what's currently happening. So, for for you, what's where are the developments uh, for you in general? Um, for for mm. Troubadour and Matador, uh, where do you, what's coming up in the future? And then perhaps if we can maybe talk a little bit then about in general about where we see self publishing going and, and the mm. general publishing industry. Oh. But to, to to start with. Um, Current developments and future developments. Well, I think you probably know we've literally just um, overhauled our website, which was yeah. eight years old and beginning to get a bit clunky. So that's that's how much time does doing a website take? Honestly, um, it just it took a year to, to, to overhaul. So I've 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 had a holiday after that because I, you know, <laughs> I, I did my bit there. Um, so that was that was a really big project that we that we've had um, you know really it's been going for, for the last year. The next big project we've got is an interesting one because it's not something anybody's ever done before. Um, we're basically we are going to be launching a mobile bookshop in probably in the summer. Um, we've bought a Citroen H van, which is currently being converted into a mobile bookshop, and we're going to be taking that around to festivals and local fates and really any sort of event, literary festivals, that sort of thing. And so we're going to be selling our books. Um, Matador, Troubadour and Book Guild books. We're going to be selling them direct to, to people. Um, really because we we want to find we want to have a way of getting getting out to meet people, getting out to sell our books and, and, and you know selling more books really and then I think this is just a, a different way of doing it. Yeah, to, to, to coin a phrase, it's it's certainly a, a novel way of doing it, but yeah. you know, if if it yeah. works, if it sounds like a good idea, it probably is a, a good idea. And it, it, it's an interesting mix, isn't it, of kind of uh, historically where part of the industry used to be you know we all remember the the library vans and trucks you know and, mm -hmm. and so it's kind yep. of like taking that idea yep. isn't it and but bringing it to different locales and festivals and what have you so that, that i wish you well with yeah. that that sounds uh, an excellent idea well, it's it will either sell a lot of books or we won't sell a lot of, a lot of books. But I think <laughs> oh, we'll end up spending an awful lot on petrol and diesel. <laughs> well, we're spending a lot on petrol and staff probably. But I mean, it, I, I just think it's a good. 
I think it's a good thing to try because it, it, it's going to it's going to be a novelty. I mean, you know, we could have gone out and, and bought a transit van and done it, but we've 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 bought a you know a sort of historic historically historical looking French van. Um, you see them at all the festivals, yeah. with, you know, selling coffee and pizzas and whatnot. And and it's just it's going to be different. And um, I think different can be good sometimes. Different can work sometimes. But you know, we're quite excited because I think it's a, it's going to be a, a, a new um, it's a new venture for us, and we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I mean, the other big thing that's happening this year is that. Um, we're, we're going to be moving offices because the offices we're in and the warehouse, the two warehouses we have here, we're in, we've really outgrown them. Um, we're very lucky that the, our landlord here is, is effectively building us a new um, a new building just literally down the road. Um, so we're going to put everything in, into one building and at the same time we'll expand by about a third. From our author's point of view, obviously that's that's good news, but it also means that we're going to be able to offer more events because we've, we're de- deliberately going to be building in an event space. So we mentioned the self-publishing experience, so we're going to do more of those. But we're also going to probably, st- well, I think we are going to start a series of workshops on anything from writing to editing to, um, you know, doing audio books to doing um, e-books, you know, anything. We, we will have the space, we'll have the facilities, and, we, we, and we'll be able to expand that sort of side of the program that, 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 that we run, you know, once, once we're in the building. And in the wider terms, uh, in general, uh, where self-publishing is going, we seem to be. I, I talked to Paul Cohen about this, and you, you, again, your own thoughts and, and other things uh, about um, this this interesting rise of of audiobooks, which is something that mm. we didn't think we'd see. I, I, I kind of sort of thought it had its heyday audiobooks of the old sort of cassettes mm-hmm. we used to have and then it went to CD. Yeah. I, I thought that had had its day kind of like in the late 80s, early 90s, but we're seeing a huge resurgence, almost like on the back yeah. of the success of ebooks, but now audiobooks are really exploding. Yeah, I mean, I think I think possibly the main motivator behind that is is the is the launch of things like Amazon's Alexa and, and yeah. the Apple Home Hub, and that's the thing where people have these devices that they just talk to and they can and you know like the radio they're, they're on and they listen to and i think i think that's one of the big mo- you know motivational drivers for this um i've, I've like self mick i mean i've never really i've never really felt that audiobooks was a market that we we need we, we needed to be in again it's 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 not it's not a book really it's it's you're producing a radio program you're yeah. producing an audio program and that's that wasn't our area of expertise um but we are now actually next month next month going to be launching an audiobook service um which as you'd expect is going to be really good quality audiobook service with professional actors and and recording and whatnot um you know we, we, we're not going to be doing it by halves it's going to be done properly but I, again whether it's going to succeed on a commercial basis i don't know but i, I think it's a market it's an interesting market, should we say, and it's a market I think that there is there is room for growth in, certainly. And in general, other developments are where do you think self-publishing is going to go? I think um, I don't think there's going to be anything sort of dramatic and drastic. I'll probably I'll probably rue the day I said that, but I, I, I don't <laughs> think there's anything going to be um, going to be you know really dramatic happening. Um, I think you know the, the the landscape for self-publishing is is has been mapped out and and it's been mapped out from the print on demand all the way through to mm. the you know the audiobook at the other end and I, and I think it's just a question of within that players coming and going and services perhaps changing it would be nice to see the, the wider book retail trade accepting more that good self-published books are just like any other books um you know that's a battle which we still have to fight and and i know that the alliance of independent authors are always hmm. trying to get bookshops to to you know to to sit up and take note of that i think that's a laudable aim because it's that's where the market is and as long as it's a good book who cares who's who, who or how it's been published um you know it, it's, it's just got to be a, a well-written a well-presented book so i think that's that's one of the big challenges we face but it's not a new challenge it's, it's just an ongoing challenge yeah, like it's 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 a fascinating time uh, to get into self-publishing, and, and really it has been for the for the last uh, ten years. I think you're right in mm. regards. Uh, you described as a mapping. Yeah, I, I think the map is now drawn. Uh, it's it's more mm. down to uh, behaviour. Uh, that you know, we're always going to have new technology. You know. You know that's going to come along. You know, uh, book apps, yeah. whatever. You know, that, that, but essentially, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I don't see too much uh, changing. 
uh, other than technology will improve. Perhaps maybe the, mm. the the retail landscape might shift slightly, but I'm not quite sure how it will shift because there's so much uncertainty. I, I think you probably, I think you make you'll probably find there's a whole fleet of book brands out there selling books or at festivals before yeah, too long. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish <laughs> Jeremy just be, before we finish up um, I, 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 I always ask uh, uh, this question um, and, and sometimes it, it catches people because they go uh, I didn't really think of that uh, or you know what, what is the quirkiest weirdest oddest things or experiences that you've had sort of throughout all your years of, of developing and expanding Troubadour and Matador, be it with suppliers, authors, or curiosities that have happened? I think, I think it, it's, it's not going to be one thing. It's, 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 a, it's, a collection of, of, it's a collection of things, and most of them are authors. You know, authors <laughs> are people, and you know, every, every single author is different. I mean, I, I, we've, I've had an author come in um, to, for a meeting, literally clutching a shoebox full of twenty-pound notes because they wanted to pay me in cash, and then I had, you know, I had twenty-two, two hundred, two thousand pounds in a in a Tupperware box. I've had I've had an author coming from Jamaica who's given me a, um, a, 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 a hands-on health reading, which was somewhat unexpected. Um, I, as, as part the, payment. <laughs> and well, no, no, no. This was this was free, but uh, you know, I, I was almost joining in on the sing-along. It was it was it was you know, it was an experience, should we say? Um, it's just that so many different authors come in, and they they have so many different different things, uh, different quirk, quirks about them, and and being people, they're all they're all so different. I love meeting all. I love meeting authors who come in. I love I love talking to them. Um, just now and again you get one you think what on earth was that um, and that's really that's you know that that's really the thing that sticks out for me as being the uh, the, the, the the oddest <laughs> um jeremy just before we finish uh, i think you know what i was going to ask you this because um when we talked i think it was last week you said why do you want to interview me don't you do lots of interviews with with, with uh, aircraft people so <laughs> so what's what's, yeah. what's this about you know what is he is he going to ask me yeah. questions about this and it's an odd it is it is but it, it's weirdly worked as i said the funny uh two of the pilots uh, i've spoken to on programs actually are self-published authors uh, which is ironic. So there, there's right. a weird crossover, and of course there's a, a weird crossover with you, which I didn't know, despite how long I've known you. Right. I didn't know that you had a pilot's license. That this is one of your activities you like to get up to when you get a chance on a weekend or whatever. How did that yes. come about? Yeah. Just that you've well, just always had an interest. Um, or? No, I haven't. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it, it came about purely by um, by chance. In fact, I, I, my wife and I bought my son for his 18th birthday a, a trial flight in a in a in a Cessna at the local airfield. Yeah. Um, you know, he was 18. He'd, he he wanted to go into the RF at the time, like a lot of 18 year old boys. Um, we thought, yeah, you know, actually give him give him a trial. So he went up in it and did it, and he loved it. And I thought, oh, that sounds that looks interesting. You know, I I could do that. So I went along and did the same thing, and I got hooked. Um, I had no, I'd had no ambition ever to be sort of a commercial pilot or, a, you know, do it for a living or anything like that. It's, it's, it's purely for fun. But yeah, it's, um, I, I, I love it. It's just living in the UK. It's, it's all weather dependent, and, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, haven't been up for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now put the idea in your head. <laughs> he knows what he's doing this yeah. weekend. <laughs> Uh, well, no, not this weekend either. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy Thompson uh, from um, Matador and Troubadour has been, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, thank, thank you for you joining much. us today Stop, on uh, Radio yeah. Spoil. And we'll we'll catch up soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Radio Spoil. We explore and discover together. Okay, thank you to uh, Jeremy Thompson from uh, Troubadour Publishing for joining us uh, today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'll cap- catch up with you all again. Uh, remember www.radioaspoil.com. You can find all our links uh, to where we 
uh, podcast and broadcast on the website. I will talk to you again soon and thank you for joining me.